Let's talk about four awesome dividend ETFs slash index funds. Now, I call dividend ETFs autopilot passive income because all you have to do is invest a little bit of money and you're collecting dividends on a frequent basis and you don't have to do anything for it. It's extremely passive. Another benefit is also that you are immediately diversified in dividend paying companies that you're getting your income from. You don't have to go out there and do the fundamental analysis to make sure that you're picking and choosing the correct dividend stocks to purchase in order to get that dividend income. Also, the fund managers of these dividend index funds and dividend ETFs, they are managing this dividend ETF and making sure that they're buying and selling the right dividend stocks for that portfolio. And all this is a big benefit because even myself, I'm a value investor. So that means I like to analyze companies using a screener, add them to my watch list and buy them at the right moment. But even myself, I see the benefit of having a dividend ETF because it's not only about buying these companies, it's also about managing them, maintaining them, making sure that the companies that you bought are still good enough to be in your investment portfolio. And if you're the type of investor that does not have a lot of knowledge or time to go out there and analyze individual stocks, a dividend ETF or index fund is the right way to go. Now, can you get rich off dividend ETFs? You definitely can. It's more of a slow process because with the dividend ETF, the price of your ETF is going to fluctuate, of course, but your dividend income, you will get that on a frequent basis. So it's more of a slow and steady way of building your wealth, but it's more stable. It's more consistent. It's something that you can rely on. If you're just starting out investing and you're really interested in how dividends work, that's the best place to start. Start out with a dividend ETF. See what type of companies are in your dividend ETF and then you can take it from there. If you want to take the next step and then invest in individual companies, you have a good baseline to start with. Just by looking at some of the companies that you are invested in, in the dividend ETF. However, for this hands-off approach you will have to pay a fee, which is called the expense ratio. But the expense ratio is so low, it's worth it. It's worth it to just invest in a dividend ETF compared to using your free time to start analyzing companies and you're not even sure and you're not even confident in what you're investing in. At least with a dividend ETF, yes, you're paying the fee, but you know that you're investing in the right type of fund that will see your wealth grow. Now, looking at the first ETF, this one is going to be the fee IG which is the Vanguard Dividend Appreciation ETF. If you're looking for the index fund equivalent, you want to go with the FDADX, which is the Vanguard Dividend Appreciation Index Fund Admiral Shares. Now, with this ETF, 97 to 98% of it is invested in U.S. equity, which pretty much means U.S. companies. All large-cap companies, out of those large-cap companies, 20% of those are invested in the financial sector. And the top three companies are United Health Group, Johnson & Johnson, and Microsoft. This fund has an average 2% when it comes to the dividend yield. Dividend yield explains simple, how much dividend are you getting for the price that you're paying? So if you paid 100 bucks for an ETF and the dividend yield is 2%, you'll get $2 in dividend income. So yes, this is a 2% dividend yield on average. And then the expense ratio is extremely low for the dividend ETF. 
at 0.06%. And going back to the dividend yield, don't look at a lower dividend yield of let's say 2% as a bad thing because with that dividend yield of 2%, whenever you get a dividend in an ETF or an index fund, you're actually reinvesting that dividend to buy more dividend paying companies. So in this case, that 2% allows you to compound your money and build your wealth. Number two is the Swap US Dividend Equity ETF also found under the ticker symbol SCHD. Now with this particular ETF, 99% is invested in US equity, all large cap companies with the highest percentage being in the financial sector, which is 21%. And then the top three companies are Merkin Company, Amgen, and IBM. This ETF also has a very low expense ratio at 0.06%, and then the dividend yield is a little bit higher at 3%. So SCHD is a must-have in your investment portfolio. Number three is the Vanguard High Dividend Yield ETF, which you can find under the ticker symbol VYM. And then if you're looking for the index fund equivalent, it's going to be VHYAX which is the Vanguard High Yield Dividend Index Fund Admiral. Now with this ETF, 97 to 98% also invested in U.S. equity, also large cap companies, but the top three sectors in this case are going to be financials, consumer staples, and healthcare. And then the top three companies in this ETF are ExxonMobil, Johnson & Johnson, and JP Morgan. This ETF also has a very low expense ratio at 0.06%. And then the dividend yield on this one is also 3%. And number four, this is the highest dividend yielding one, which is the VNQ, which is Vanguard Real Estate ETF. Now in the real estate sector, you will always have a higher dividend because they pay a higher amount of dividend income out of their net income. With this particular ETF, 99 to 100% invested, of course, in U.S. equity, mostly mid-cap companies. And then this ETF does have a little bit of a higher expense ratio at 0.12%, but not that high compared to what you will see when you look at mutual funds. This ETF is 100%, of course, invested in the real estate sector. And then the top three companies are Prologis, American Tower, and Crown Castle Company. Another great benefit that you have with investing in dividend ETFs compared to a growth ETF will be what's happening in the stock market. Because if you think about the bull and bear market, so a bull market is whenever the stock market on average is trending up, we're in a bull market. But the bear market is the opposite. So whenever the stock market is trending down, we're in a bear market. Whenever the economy is in an uptrend, people are more optimistic and they spend more money on consumer goods and even services. They also spend more money in buying investments. So the stock market is going to rise. But in a bear market, people are pessimistic. The economy might not be doing too well. We see sky high inflation. So people might panic and sell their stock. They might sell their shares. They might even sell their ETFs. So by investing in a dividend ETF, those can weather the storm better compared to other types of ETFs, such as a growth stock ETF. The easiest way of looking at dividend ETF investing is by also thinking about dollar cost averaging. With dollar cost averaging, you're investing a specific amount of money at a frequent basis. So for example, you might be investing 100 bucks every week or you might be investing a thousand bucks every month. With dollar cost averaging, you're allowing yourself 
to buy stocks or in this case ETFs or index funds. It doesn't matter if the price of the ETF is up or down. It always averages out because you're adding more money to your ETF when the stock market is in a bull market, but also when it is in a bear market. That means you're averaging it out. It's a way of investing without being emotional about investing. You're taking your emotions out of investing because more than likely, if the stock market is crashing or we are in a downturn or an economic recession, you're less likely to invest. But with dollar cost averaging, you're allowing yourself to invest when stocks and even dividend ETFs or dividend index funds are selling at a discount. So you're buying them cheap. Looking at these dividend ETFs and even thinking about dividend paying companies, if you want to find individual ones, there are different methods that you can use. One of those methods is the dogs of the Dow method in buying dividend paying companies. So with the dogs of the Dow, if you look at the Dow Jones Industrial Average, that consists of 30 high quality blue chip companies. A blue chip company is a stable company that is the leader in the market. It has a track record of success. And it's a large cap company or even a mega cap company. Now, with the dogs of the Dow method, the Dow consisting of 30 high quality dividend paying companies, what you do is you take 10 companies out of the 30 that have the highest dividend yield and you buy them at the beginning of the year. You wait a whole year and then you do the same method. Now, the reason why you want to take the 10 highest yielding dividend paying companies is because the dogs of the Dow already has 30 high quality companies. And if a company has a high dividend yield, that means that the share price is low compared to the dividend yield, which means that in the future, potentially, the price of the stock is going to go up anyway. So you're having a double effect of collecting the dividend, but also waiting for the share price to potentially go up. Another method that a lot of dividend investors like to use is to look at a specific list, such as the dividend kings, the dividend aristocrats, the dividend champions or the dividend achievers. These are lists of dividend paying companies that have paid a continuous dividend in the last 50, 25, or even 10 years. So the dividend king is a list of companies that have paid a continuous dividend for 50 plus years. The dividend achievers is a list of companies that have paid a dividend for at least 10 years. One thing to pay attention to though, even if you look at these lists with companies that have paid a continuous dividend, you want to make sure that on a yearly basis, the dividend growth has been higher than inflation. So to me, it doesn't matter if a company has been paying out a dividend for 25 years. If they don't increase their dividend on a yearly basis faster than inflation, then that's not a company that I invest in. So why go for an ETF versus an individual stock? Now, you can still do both. You don't have to pick and choose one or the other. But with the ETF, like I already mentioned, you have immediate diversification. You have a fund manager or multiple fund managers that are managing that ETF compared to an individual stock where you have to go out, do the research, you don't have that immediate diversification because it's just one company. But what I've noticed by investing in individual companies is that my dividend yield is better compared to the dividend ETFs. But there's a price that you have to pay. The ease of investing using the dividend ETFs or going out there and analyzing specific companies and then adding them and buying them when they're selling at a discount you will get a better yield. So if you look at the two, you just have to weigh the risk with the benefits.
Now, another question that you might be thinking of, a dividend ETF versus a growth stock ETF versus an S&P 500 index fund or ETF. Which one of these three should you be paying attention to? Like I always say, you don't have to pick and choose a specific one because the better portfolio would have a specific amount of money invested in each of them. Now, if you want to make it more technical, yes, you can have those three ETFs, dividend, growth, S&P 500. But then I'm also going to add a bond fund, so a bond ETF, an international ETF, and then you can also add some individual companies, whether they might be growth companies or even dividend paying companies into your investment portfolio. I like dividend ETFs. I'm always going to be a value investor who likes to invest in individual companies, but I definitely see the benefit of investing in ETFs because even myself, I don't always want to analyze specific companies and then always have to manage them, making sure that they pay their dividends on time, make sure that they didn't cut or stop paying a dividend. In an index fund or an index ETF, you don't have to worry about all that management because the fund manager is being paid to manage and handle all these different issues that might pop up. So for example, I invested in the Disney Corporation and a couple of other companies when they paid out a dividend, but the Disney Corporation and these other companies ended up stopping their dividend payments. So I was able to catch most of them at the time that they stopped the dividend payments. But some of them I didn't know about until I logged in to see if I got my dividend payment. And I noticed that I didn't. And I had to figure out why. And that's when I noticed that these companies also stopped paying their dividend. With an ETF, I wouldn't have to manage all this. I wouldn't have to be able to keep up to date with all these dividend paying companies. That's why the dividend ETFs and the dividend index funds that I talked about are a big Are you tired of feeling lost in the world of trading and investing? Get informed and inspired with the Talking Trading Podcast. I'm Louise Bedford, and I'll help you navigate the markets like a pro. Tune in each week and subscribe now at talkingtrading.com.au or on your favorite podcast app, or check out the link in the show notes. Talking Trading, this is how traders excel. plus and a big advantage in my book. Eight investing mistakes that will leave you broke. There's a lot of misinformation out there and I'm here to dispel it. Some of these mistakes I've made myself or I might know friends or family members that made some of these mistakes. Hopefully you will learn from our mistakes. Now, the first thing you have to pay attention to are the investing gurus. You always want to be careful with people talking to you and giving you advice on what type of stocks you need to invest in. Because the biggest issue that I have with these investing gurus is that they will tell you when you should buy a specific stock, but they never tell you when to sell that stock when it's not doing well. Not everybody that's giving you investing advice has bad intentions, of course, because some people just like investing. They get hyped up when it comes to companies that they like. So they might like Tesla. They might like Google or Facebook. Out of their good nature, they might tell you, oh, Go ahead and invest in Tesla because that's a company that they like. But you always have to pay attention to investing gurus that have a financial component to the advice that they give. Because there are a lot of gurus that get a kickback if they promote a specific stock or company. So always do your research on who's actually giving you this advice. Is this coming from a person on the television? Is it coming from somebody 
on the internet, always do a little bit of digging, a little bit of research to see, okay, are there any financial incentives tied to the advice that this person is actually giving you? The second mistake is investing without doing your research. So this goes hand in hand with the guru because the guru will jump up and tell you what to invest in. You don't do your own research and you just jump and invest in a specific company. This is a quick way to invest in companies that might be worthless. Nowadays, it's extremely easy to do research on a company because all this information is available online. All you need is the company's name or even the ticker symbol. You can dig into Google, dig into your favorite search engine and start reading what the company does, how much the company is generating in revenue, in sales, in net income, how much debt a company actually has. What you want to do is you want to look at a trend. You want to look at previous years of performance and see if the company has been able to grow its revenue, its sales, etc. Don't just buy something on a hunch. And even if you want to be on the safe side, you can always invest in an ETF or an index fund that tracks an underlying index. The third one is thinking that it's too late to start investing. Sometimes I talk to people that are older, so 50 and up, and they've never invested in the stock market. And they might tell me, okay, it's too late for me now to start investing. But the way I always look at it is that you won't be able to work your whole life. There will come a time where you're physically not possible to work. And in that case, you need to have the money that you've generated over all those years and decades. You need to have that money working for you. So even if you think that it's too late to start investing, you still need to dip your toe into the investing swimming pool because it's not only about you, it's also about your next of kin, which might be your nephews, your nieces, your kids, even other family members. And even if you're scared to start investing, you can always start with investing a little bit of money. Nobody tells you that you need to start investing with thousands of dollars. No, you can start small. You don't even need to buy a whole share. You can buy a fraction of a share. So even if you have 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 20 bucks, start where you are. And when you do get more comfortable, that's when you can add more money to invest in different stocks, bonds, ETFs, mutual funds, etc. And also when you invest with a little amount, it's a lot less stressful. And it's also going to be a lot more fun. You learn the basics and before you know it, you'll be adding more money. And that brings me to the next one being too afraid to invest in the stock market. Because people always hear about the horror stories. So they might know a friend or even a family member that put all of their money in a specific stock. That company ended up going bankrupt and they lost all their money. Now, the problem with this is that not investing in the stock market, that might be a big reason why you will go broke. Because the money that you have, yes, you might have it in a savings account or even a checking account, but the money that you have in those accounts will not grow faster than inflation. So when you invest in stocks or even bonds, at least your money is able to keep pace with inflation or grow faster than inflation. So your money retains its buying power. But if you get your money and you put it under your mattress or even you put it in a savings account, which gives you less than 1% in interest, your money is going to be worth less over time. So in this situation where your money is losing its buying power over time and you're more than likely not able to work in your elder years, that's going to leave you broke pretty fast. And then the next one is being too emotional when you invest. It's easy to get hyped up when you see the stock market in a bull market, which means on average the stock market is going up. And it's also fun to see your favorite stocks going up over time. But what happens when the stock crashes or stock dips down? 
Are you going to be emotionally sound enough to still hold on to your stock? Or are you going to panic and sell your stocks? That's something that you will also learn if you start investing with a small amount of money. You will see the value of your investments go up and down. But since you started with a small amount, it's not going to hit you that hard. It's only when you have thousands of dollars and even hundreds of thousands of dollars invested in the stock market and you see the stock market dip or crash by 30% or more. Are you going to get emotional then and start selling like crazy? That's something that you do not want to do on a hunch. Even if everybody around you starts selling, you still want to take a step back, take a deep breath and really think about what you're about to do. More than likely, the stock market or the stocks that you're investing in, especially if you're investing in an index fund or an ETF, more than likely, it will bounce back. Now, it might take some time. It might take months or even years for it to bounce back. But at least you're not losing your money because the money is still invested in the stock market. So the loss that you're seeing is an unrealized loss. It only becomes a realized loss if you sell that particular security. Now, number six is falling for a pump and dump. This kind of goes back to the gurus we talk about. So you will have somebody that advertises or tells you that you should buy a specific stock or specific security. They might not only tell you, but they have a whole audience that they're advertising to to buy that specific stock. Everybody ends up buying that stock, in essence, increasing the value and the price of the stock. And when the price is at its highest, that's when these unscrupulous gurus sell all their stocks in that specific company and they make a quick profit meanwhile while they're selling the stock price is going down and it's crashing and you're pretty much ending up with a stock that is worth nothing so you just got scammed by the pump and dump method the funny thing is that my dad actually got scammed with a pump and dump method because this happened back in 2004 2005 he got a phone call from a investment firm an investment company that was pitching him a specific stock or a group of stocks to invest in. Now, I was not listening into that phone call because I was not with my dad. But what ended up happening was he invested in that specific security. And within a couple of months, the value of it tanked so much that it was worth nothing. And that experience turned him off from investing for a long time. It wasn't until I started investing and teaching him some of the things to look out for that he got back into investing. He never told me this story. He only told my brother this story. And if he told me this story when it happened, I might have also refrained from investing in the stock market. Luckily, I never went that route. And then number seven is not diversifying. So it's easy to get excited about specific stocks and just put all your money in one specific stock. But that's the riskiest thing you can do because you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. You do want to spread your money across a multitude of stocks, bonds, even securities. It allows you to lower your risk because if all your money is invested in one stock, let's say that company goes bankrupt, you pretty much lose all your money. But if your money is spread out over 10 different securities, even if one ends up crashing or you lose money in one, you still have a good chunk of money invested in the other nine securities that you invested in. Diversifying also puts your mind at ease. It will also make you sleep well at night because you're not only focusing on one particular stock or investment since it's spread out over so many. A good way to diversify without even having to think about it is to buy an ETF or an index fund 
anything that tracks the S&P 500. So the Vanguard company has a lot of good ETFs and index funds that you can invest in also. That will give you that instant diversification. And number eight is timing the market. Now, there's nothing wrong with trying to time the market. And I know day traders and swing traders are experts at knowing when to buy and sell. Even they themselves take losses. If you're just a beginner who's investing or you're just a novice, timing the market will more than likely not work for you. It's better to just buy and hold. And over the long term, over the long run, you will see your investment grow. Most people that jump into the stock market think that you can get rich fast. But investing shouldn't be looked at like that. For every one story that you hear of somebody getting rich fast in the stock market, there's millions of others that actually ended up losing their shirt. So look at investing more of a slower process of building wealth and getting rich. Now, if you enjoy my content on stock market investing, then be sure to follow my podcast. And check out my show notes below for exclusive premium content that will take your investing to the next level. In the show notes, I also link to my books, my Instagram so you can follow me, and my YouTube channel. I'll catch you in the next episode.